Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to hear your voices behind me. Uh, It's just awesome. Or maybe it was just Brian's voice behind me, but anyways, it was sounded good, Brian. (laughs) He's looking puzzled. (laughs) We are still in Acts chapter 16, so if you will, uh, turn in your Bible to Acts 16. We will be finishing off this chapter this morning. Um, So much. There's so much that happens in this chapter, and I, I, I didn't really think that I would be in it that long, um, this being our, our fourth study in this chapter, but today we will finish it off. Um, and, and again, I, as I study these things, it's like, where do I break? When do I finish? A, you know, when, I think about all those things, and there was just so much in this chapter that I just did not want to gloss over it at all. But what I want to do, I want to kind of go back, because we've been here for for so long, I want to go back to the beginning, and and so it's going to be a longer introduction, um, and kind of, I I was looking, when did we start this chapter? Well, it was in January 12th, And, and granted, I was gone for a week, we taught about the vision the next week, so we missed a couple of weeks, but, but it was back in January 12th that we started this chapter. And so let me give you a quick or not so quick uh, overview of going back to the beginning of, of the chapter. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just kind of going to highlight certain things um, as we close up this morning. But the, the chapter starts off with, with Paul or uh, Paul going on his second missionary journey. And so he, he starts this trip off and he takes Silas with him. And they come to Derby and Lystra, which was, you know, quite a ways from where they started in, in, in Antioch of, of uh, Syria. And so they head back to visit the churches that they had once visited. And so they went to Derby and then Lystra. Along the way, they picked up Timothy. When they got to Lystra, in Lystra, they picked him up, which is interesting because when they headed over to Iconium, um, this young man, Timothy, was also well known and well spoken of in Iconium as well. And so you got to understand that they are now being directed, and they have been already, but they're being directed by the Holy Spirit. And they're being directed by some of the hindrances that the Holy Spirit is giving them in that they are closing doors. There's closed doors. And, and so it tells us um, that, uh, that it, they, they, as these doors were closing, it led them way over to Troas, which would be close to the Aegean Sea. And that is when Luke, the writer of, of Acts, joins them. And so what we saw as they're journeying from Iconium, probably passing um, um, Antioch of Pisidia, that the Holy Spirit forbid them to turn left down to Asia, and the Holy Spirit did not permit them to go into Bithynia, which would have been to the north. But the Lord led them through these closed doors and through a vision instead to go over to Macedonia, which, which means that they would have had to cross the Asian Sea. And so now they're being led to go to Macedonia and to go and preach the gospel there, which would be considered Europe. So now the gospel has gotten to Europe, if you will. Now, 
You would think that because they are being led with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, in all of this, you would think that everything would be going amazing. No problemos whatsoever. Man, God is so good, and He has been. He has been so good to them, leading them and guiding them. And Paul and his team find themselves in Philippi, which is a Roman colony. And God is truly moving. The gospel is being preached. People have gotten saved. People have noticed them so much so that Paul and his gang are going around and somebody is saying, man, these guys, man, these guys are the servants of the Most High God. And that same lady that's saying, that same young woman that's saying that, well, she gets delivered by a de- from a demon. Man, ministry couldn't get any better. You might be thinking, wow, Paul and his team must be being taken care of very, very well because God is just blessing beyond measure, it seems like. After all, the Holy Spirit led them to this place. Because they were obedient to arise and go and do the work. So, where we left off last week in our study was Paul and Silas were in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. All because they had obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in obeying God... The world, the system, the people that they were, that were around them came against them. All because they were obedient. But Jesus told us stuff like this, right? If you've ever, if you've ever read, read through the Gospels, you know that Jesus warned his disciples what was coming, what was ahead. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, 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 and I think that we should not be surprised when something like this happens. Again, I just kind of ran you through chapter 16, and you're going, man, this is so amazing what God is doing and leading and guiding and closing doors and opening doors and all of these things. And we left them off last week in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. What the heck, God? What's, what's going on here? I think one of the greatest promises that you will ever find coming right from Jesus' lips is in John 16, 33. You might want to jot that down and then write it out and put it on your refrigerator, put it in nice calligraphy and stuff and put it on there. The, 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 the scripture goes like this. In uh, these things I have spoken to you, you're going, yes, that in me you may have peace. Yes, I want that peace, Lord. Don't forget this part right here. Write it down really nice. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How's that for a promise? Everybody's like, yes, pastor. Yes, man, right on. It's like you hate that verse. I know you do. You like the first part, I'm, spo- I'm speaking to you, yes, I, you know, you may have peace, yes, in this world you will have tribulations. Why, Lord? Why, why would you allow that to happen? <laughs> but I love the fact that he says in the midst of that, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. 
So what we have here in our text as we begin to get into our text this morning is a great example for us as believers to follow when we find, when we, we find ourselves in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains from this world. All because we want to be obedient to God. So our text, verse 25, to, I'll, I'll read to verse 20, uh, 34, and then we'll finish up the rest a little later. It says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Loosened or loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and, his, and all his uh, family were baptized. Now when he had brought them to, into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. What an amazing portion of scripture there. But at midnight, it's been a long day for Paul. And, 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 and Silas. Because I could only imagine when they were going to pray, it was already morning. It was morning that they were going down to go pray in our last study. They've been harassed. They, you know, again, Paul was annoyed with this chick that was like, these guys are, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he is just like, shut up. Maybe not like that. But in the name of Jesus, come out of her. You know, and, and, but he, it says that he was annoyed, greatly annoyed. It's been a long day. But at midnight, Silas and Paul were praying and singing hymns. So what this shows us here is that this is the remedy, the cure, the therapy for being in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. This is what you do when you're in that kind of situation. This is the example that these guys in the Word of God give us when things are not going the way they thought they should be going. I know some would say, well, come on, Pastor. This is the great Apostle Paul. And he is kind of rubbing off on Silas already. Of course, this is what the great Apostle Paul would be doing at midnight. Praying and singing, singing hymns. But I would say that this is the same great Apostle Paul 
that didn't give John Mark a second chance. It's the same Apostle Paul that broke up with Barnabas. Again, I just had to bring them up. It's the same Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, that was annoyed with this girl who really didn't even know that she was demon-possessed. How's how's that great for you? (laughs) How great is that? He was a man just like us. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we end up looking at this guy going, man, the great Apostle Paul, this cat was amazing. But now finding themselves in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains, do you suppose that they were praying, Lord, get me out of this situation? It tells us that they were singing psalms, but couldn't they have easily been singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, nobody knows my sorrows. They could have easily been singing that song. But they're not. They're not singing those songs. They're singing worship songs to the Lord in the midst of their circumstances and the consequences that they find themselves in. I read this quote from Charles Spurgeon who said, Any fool can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when you can read the notes by daylight. But a skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. That's pretty powerful. No songs in the night. I I don't think that Paul and Silas were excited to be in prison, to be naked, to be beaten, and to be enchained. But they knew who had led them right to that point. They knew in whom they had trusted and believed in. They knew that. I totally believe that prayer and worship was just a part of their lives, regardless of where they found themselves, regardless of where they were at, regardless, in other words, of their circumstances or the consequences. That's who they were. They prayed and they worshiped in the good, in the bad, and in the ugly that happens in our lives and their lives. Again, what, 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 a, what an example for us, right? And I know that oftentimes it's like, well, I can't be the Apostle Paul. The guy's just a man like you are. Don't you get annoyed with people? Don't you not give people second chances? Don't you just like block your friends on your phone calls and stuff, you know, your family? He was just a guy just like us. But he knew who he believed in and who he trusted in. And it didn't matter what was going on, even if he didn't like it. I must say that this was probably one of, a, a, one of those dark moments for him and for Silas. But they are still able to pray and to worship. You see, it is in those night seasons 
that we can learn some profound secrets from the Lord. That sufferings perfect joy. Not happiness, but they perfect joy in our lives. Because we can experience joy in the depth of despair. We can experience joy anytime we want. doesn't matter what you and I are going through. Happiness, out the window. It's not a time to be happy. But the joy, the joy. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning, if you remember that song. I'm not going to sing it. But do we believe when we sing songs like that, or do we just sing them because the words are up there? Or because you know them? Do you truly believe that God can work all things out for His good, for, according to His purpose? Do, do you believe that? Because if you did, then you would never freak out when you're in those bad situations. Again, it's just a challenge. I mean, we all freak out. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus never freaks out. Understand that. He never freaks out. And so, so again, when we're in those bad situations... Is God able to work all things out for His good and for our good, both good and bad? Can He bring something good out of something bad? I think most of you guys have experienced things like that in your life. And man, you just praise God. It's like, Lord, how do you do that? And yet, for some reason, we forget that because when we're in that next trial, we're going, Lord, what? What did I do? <laughs> it might have been something you did, but oftentimes he just says, hey, you're going to have tribulations in your life. Things aren't always going to turn, turn out great. I, I, I love the fact that here in this verse, they're singing and praising God and it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. I, I, I love the fact that God was not the only one that was listening to Paul and Silas. The people that were in earshot of who these guys are, what they were doing, are hearing them. And no doubt, those guys, are, are their minds are being blown. It was an astonishing moment, I, to say the least. Because prayer and praise are not common in a prison like this. The song of rejoicing and the language of praise is not usually what's coming out of people who are in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. It's not normal. And, and I don't think that Paul and Silas are being obnoxious in how they're praying and how they're worshiping. I don't think they're getting on people's nerves. I just think they're just worshiping. Maybe they had decent voices. I don't know. If anything, I think it kind of brought comfort to the rest of the people, the rest of the people that were prisoners there in that they were listening and they weren't shouting them down. After all, it was midnight. And these guys are the newbies, man. They're, they're, they're the newcomers. They're the new inmates. It's like, hey, you don't control this place. We do. But they're not saying anything. 
If anything, they, they are listening. And that word listening is that they were intently listening to what they're hearing. And it says in verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Just like they always do. Earthquakes come without warning. <laughs> we live in a place where we can relate. But we don't know if this earthquake, this great earthquake, this mega earthquake, as it, it says, if it hit that whole region. Or, or did it just happen inside that prison, in that area? It's a possibility because God is able to do that. We've seen jailbreaks before in the book of Acts. <laughs> but usually God used an angel to break someone out. And maybe it was just for Peter. Because both times that, that there was a jailbreak, Peter was involved in it. But here God uses an earthquake to shake things up. See what I did there? There's a, there a pun there. Most of you guys go, oh, oh. God used an earthquake. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. To shake things up. Never mind. Let's move on. Second service will get it. What, what, what is interesting about this earthquake, though, is that it says that it shakes the foundation of this prison. Again, we don't know if it happened everywhere, but it shakes the foundation of this prison so much so that in its shaking, all the doors fly open. And then it says, and loosened the chains of the prisoners. Now, people might say, well, yeah, if the, if the chains were up against the wall, it loosened them. But what it means is that everyone's shackles were unfastened. That's an earthquake. That's a crazy earthquake. And yet we're not told that all, everything came crashing and crumbling down and it was just laid waste. It doesn't say that. Everything was shaken so much so that, that it shakes the handcuffs, the shackles open. How's that possible? I don't know. Maybe God's just shaking things up there. That's quite an earthquake. Again, it doesn't tell us that the whole city was decimated, was just crumbled. It doesn't tell us anything about anything else going on outside the prison walls. And that's why I say it's quite possible he just shook this place. Now, some might say, well, God did that because these guys were praying and they were worshiping. And because they had turned a bad situation into a good situation. And that's why God did this so he can get them out of that situation. But that's not necessarily true. You, you see, it doesn't tell us what the disciples were doing the first time they had gotten busted and imprisoned. It just says that an angel showed up earlier in the book of Acts when John, John and uh, James, uh, 
Peter and John were in prison. They just like snuck them out there. It doesn't tell us that they were like praying. The second time we see Peter in jail, he's sleeping. He's not praying. <laughs> Unless he was praying and fell asleep. Maybe not. He's awaiting death the next morning and he's sleeping soundly. And the angel has to go hit him upside the head basically like, come on, get up. I got to get you out of here. So it, it, it doesn't tell us that they were doing anything spiritual to get out. What is interesting, even though Paul and Silas are praying and worshiping, they are not getting out of prison. This is not a jailbreak. They're going to stay there until the next morning, as we will read a little later. This earthquake was done to wake up the jailer. He's, he's the focus here. The jailer is the one who was fast asleep. And God wanted to get his intention, so he shakes everything up to wake him up. And I'm sure the, the other prisoners, they, they're, they're, they're woken up and they are like paying attention as well. This was earth shattering, earth shaking. But catch this. With all that's going on within the prison walls, the noise, the fear, the excitement, the chains rattling. In the midst of all of that confusion of what's going on, because this great earthquake has just hit, listen to what Paul hears. He hears the slide of, of the sword coming out of its sheath. He somehow hears that. I don't know how far this guy is from him. But with everything going on, he hears the guy pull out his sword. He knows exactly what's about to happen. He knows that this guy is ready to fall on his sword. With everything going on, his ears perked up to that. You see, in those days, if a prisoner escaped, the guard that was in charge, he, pray, he paid he would pay for the prisoner's charges, whatever they were charged with. So you know that it was just not because of Paul and Silas that he's going to fall on his sword. It's, there's probably other people that are worthy of death there. He's going, uh-uh, I ain't going to go through this. And he is going to fall on his sword. He is going to kill himself. Which is proof that his life would have been taken from him. This man's death would certainly have sealed his fate. Not because of the suicide, but because he did not have Jesus in his life. It says in verse 28, But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Paul could have just easily just let the jailer kill himself. After all, the jailer is a part of the system. He is part of the man. He is on that side of the law. Perhaps he, 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 because he's on that side, he allowed all this to happen to Paul and Silas. 
And Paul could have easily, with a loud voice, called, saying, Die like a dirty heathen dog that you are, so I can get out of here. Again, whether this man, this jailer, is directly or indirectly involved in what happened to Paul and Silas, because he's still part of them. Listen to what Jesus tells his, his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully persecute you or use you and persecute you. Paul would not only be a part of saving this man's life, but God was going to use Paul in this opportunity to bring this man into the kingdom of heaven. To save this man's soul for all of eternity. God was going to use him there. Understand, Paul had to get, or God had to get Paul and Silas to that place because of this jailer that God had in mind. I don't know why. What's so special about this jailer? I don't know. Maybe because he's created in God's image? Doesn't tell us anybody else got saved. But God wanted these guys there. This man was this close to going to hell. He was this close. He had already put, took the sword off. It was just a matter of seconds before he would fall on it. And because Paul and his team were obedient to do what God had called them to do, they actually were in the right place at the right time. In prison, naked, beaten, and enchained. Again, we, we get in those situations in our lives and we're going like, and you're just giving up. I can't believe God has just left me. I can't believe he would allow me to be going through what I'm going through right now. Instead of going, okay, Lord, what do you got for me? And you're going, oh, pastor, come on, man. You just live on this other realm because you never go through anything. Try ruling the world someday. Hmm. <laughs> Again, there's so much that we all go through. And we can get in those places of despair. And we can get into those places of going, God, why in the world? Instead of going, Lord, am I in the right place at the right time with this whole situation? Because I've been obedient, Lord. And if you want me here, I will be here all day long. In prison. Beaten. Naked. And in chains. God had woken up this, this jailer out of a dead sleep and he sees this really bad situation going on. And yet, God was about to change this man's life forever. You just never know <laughs> when you're in those circumstances or some of the consequences because of our decisions, whatever, you just never know what God is about to do. And in the midst of this whole situation, this jailer, in verse 29, when he called for a light, probably for a cigarette, but I'm kidding. When he called for a light, he ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. This man went straight to Paul and Silas. 
And he fell down trembling, terrified. And he brought them out of the dungeon that they were in. And it is quite possible that this man knew why Paul and Silas were there. He probably knew who they served and what they had been doing in Philippi. He probably heard the news. This jailer must have had some kind of knowledge of what Paul and Silas were all about. For him to come straight to them and then to ask this question, what must I do to be saved? That's pretty powerful. When somebody looks at your life, no matter what you're going through, and they know who you serve, they know the circumstances that you've been in, and you battled, that when they're going through something horrible in their own life and they see the bad situation, that you would be the one that they come to because they have no one else in their life. That we would be that example that in the midst of our terrible situations, we can still be that light, we can still be praying, we can still be worshiping, and people will notice that. Because all too often, some Christians, they're going with, their, their faith is with their feelings, man. They're up and they're down. They're up and they're down. And everybody in your home and everybody in your office and everybody in your workplace, they notice that. And they go, if that's what a Christian looks like, I don't like that roller coaster. But they will always look at your consistency in your faith, day in and day out. And they will run to you. When they are in trouble, why? Because they've known what you've gone through and your life has just been right around here. Just even. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the consequences are in your life, they see a consistent life because they know who you follow. That that would be what people see and they come and they go, what must I do to be saved? I love the fact that Paul and Silas don't make it complicated for him. <laughs> they didn't ask if he knew exactly what he was doing and getting himself into. They didn't say, hey, do you feel bad about all your sin and what you've done? They didn't do anything like that. They didn't say, well, okay, what you must do, and then they give him this litany of, of things that you have to do X, Y, and Z, and then double A, double B, double C, and, and they didn't tell them anything to do. They, listen, they didn't even pray the sinner's prayer with them. Did it take? They didn't do that. It simply says that they said to him in verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Hmm. That was pretty easy. The Amplified puts it like this. And they answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself up to Him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into His keeping. And you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household as well. That's what the Amplified says. Give yourself up <laughs> to Jesus. Take yourself out of the equation, out of your own keeping, out of your own selfishness, and give yourself over to Him. That's it. 
Yeah, but did he do any follow-up? No. Uh, doesn't say anything, right? It just says, hey, believe and you shall be saved. But uh, was he really? It's like, guys, let's not complicate, complicate life. Let's not complicate salvation. This is a great example for us. That when somebody sees your life, and because you're consistent, you probably understand this. You don't have to complicate it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Call upon his name, and you shall be saved. To those who received them, to receive him, to them he gave the right to be called sons of God. That's it. The Holy Spirit, guys, is still really good at being the Holy Spirit. Always remember that. Never forget that. And he says, and your household. That, that, that phrase, and your household, does not mean that the faith of the jailer would automatically bring salvation to those in his family. Because you see, each sinner, each person must trust Christ personally in order to be born again. No one can be saved by proxy. Nobody can be saved for you. You have to do it yourself. That phrase, and your household will be saved if they believe, just like he did. It's not because he believed that they were going to be saved. It does not mean that at all. Now, I know a lot of us hold on to that promise. And I hate to break it to you. But that's not one of those promises just because you're saved or your whole house is going to be saved. They have to make that decision on their own. They truly do. You see, in verse 32, he says, Then they spoke the word of God or the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. We, we, we cannot read into this statement again that salvation, the this, this salvation from, from mom or dad will now be inherited by this, this infant or this teenager or this prodigal who's out there doing his own thing. Because it is clear that Paul was dealing with people who were old enough to hear the Word of God. They were old enough to believe the Word of God. And they were old enough, like we see in this jailer, to rejoice even in the Word of God. This so-called uh, household salvation has no basis in the Word of God. It's not a doctrine that you, that you make out of this. Because the misunderstanding is that the decision of the head of the household will automatically, one day, miraculously, bring them to salvation. No, they will have to make their own decision. Each member of your household has to make that decision. The people in the household of Cornelius, back in Acts chapter 10, were old enough to respond to the call. And to understand the word and believe themselves. As we will see in a couple of chapters, chapter 18, the household of Crispus. Same thing. They were old enough to hear the word of God and to believe the word of God. Now, I totally understand that young kids back here, they are old enough to hear. 
You can, you can talk to Pastor Daniel. He, he will tell you when he was four or five years old, somewhere around there, he remembers accepting Jesus. That never went away from him. He understood that, even at a, at a young age. Why? Because the gospel is that simple that a stinking little four or five-year-old little snot-nosed kid understands that. Yes, that's Daniel. Snot-nosed. Again, there is no suggestion here that the adults made the decision for their children because God has no grandchildren. He only has children. They have to make that decision. The jailer had a total change of heart. And I'm sure that after securing the rest of the prisoners, he wanted to take care of Paul and Silas because it is possible that he understood the injustice of why they were there. Or maybe he just felt that he wanted to show them some compassion because he saw their, 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 you know, the blood already drying up on their, on their bodies because they were naked and they had been beat. And he's going to go and clean off their, 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 their uh, stripes that they had received. The jailer and his family were not ashamed now of this newfound freedom, this devotion to Christ, and they were baptized. They were brought into. They, 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 it was a symbolic gesture that they, now, they are now in Christ, and they have come up as a new creation. And there was great joy. Verse 34 in the Amplified says this, Then he took them up into his house, set some food before them, and he leaped much for joy and exalted with all his family that he believed in God, accepting and joyously welcoming what he had made known through Christ. Verse 35 to the end of the chapter. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now they put us out secretly? Indeed, No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers who were uh, told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. When it was day, that is, in the morning, <laughs> the city officials knew that they had no case against these guys. There was no way that they could convict them or anything like that. So they sent word to the jailer to, re to release them. Paul, however, was unwilling to just sneak out of town. It's like, Paul, just jab, get out. The doors are open. That kind of exit 
would have left a stain on this new church, a cloud of suspicion, if you will. People would have probably asked, who were these guys? They came in, they riled people up, and they, they're gone. Were they guilty of something? Did they really, what, 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 what exactly was it? That they, why did they leave so quickly and nobody even knew? What, what, what do his followers believe now? You see, Paul and his team wanted to leave behind a strong witness of their integrity, of how they conducted themselves, and a good testimony to this new infant church there in Philippi. Paul says, no way. You guys have condemned us. Romans. Again, now is time for Paul and Silas to throw out that Roman citizen card. <laughs> Again, last week I was saying, why didn't they use that before? Maybe they didn't have time. But now it's time. What? You want me to leave? I'm a Roman citizen, bro. You have treated us unfairly, and you have beaten us. You see, it was against the law. <laughs> and that's why these guys are scared. But he boldly challenges these guys of the legality of how they were treated. I, I, I don't think this is personal revenge, although maybe deep down inside, he's going, just wait. <laughs> no, I think his desire was to give protection to the church, that there would be a respect for this church. <laughs> and so it says that they came and they pleaded with them. I mean, we have no record that these magistrates officially or publicly apologized. It does state that they respectfully came to Paul and Silas, escorting them out of prison and politely asking them to leave town. <laughs> Probably something like, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. Go somewhere. Just don't stay here, man. Go. And so they went at the end here. They went out. And Paul and they, they stayed there long enough to go and meet up with the brothers and sisters at Lydia's pad to encourage them in the Lord. Verse 40 in the Amplified. So Paul and Silas left the prison and went to Lydia's house house and when they had seen the brethren they warned and urged and consoled and encouraged them and departed one last note here in this verse note the word or notice the word they the word they is a few times there but the last one in particular where it says and they encouraged them and departed more than likely, Luke didn't depart with them. And now he's talking about they leaving. More than likely, Luke stayed there in Philippi. Can I encourage you? And that, when, that when this world has you in prison, naked, beaten, that you would remember there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning. Amen.
Father in heaven, we look to you. We thank you, God, for how you minister to us, Lord, and remind us through your word, Lord God, by examples like these guys, Lord, that in the midst, Lord God, of what they're going through, in the midst of a bad situation, Lord God, that we, just like our brothers, Lord, back in the day, just like we've known through history, just like in our own lives, Lord, that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the consequences are for obeying you, Lord, no matter what's going on, Lord, you can see us through everything and we can still rejoice and we can still experience the joy of your salvation. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would use our lives, that you would remind us daily that no matter what we go through, the battles that we face, Lord God, outwardly or inwardly, that, Lord, you are there to shake things up. You are there, Lord God, to remind us of who you are. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you go be with them, Lord, as they leave this place. Encourage them through this portion of Scripture. I pray that if there's anyone here today, Lord God, who is like this jailer, Lord, Father, even though he was holding some prisoners, he was more imprisoned than anybody else, and he needed freedom. And you gave him that right in the midst of all this craziness. I pray that if anyone is, is at that place, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would ask you, Lord, that they would ask the person that they came with, what must I do to be saved? Lord, remind them right now, it's as easy as calling out to you and you will, they will be saved. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that right now they are doing that to receive you into their lives, Lord. Thank you. Go before us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this last song.